welcome back to Suresh Podcast X. The last episode in Chapter 6 ended with a discussion about how the congregations were arriving from all across the subcontinent. Guru Gobind Singh was sitting there, strapped up with his weapons, on his throne, holding court in front of everybody. Now Chapter 7 begins describing the vast amount of people that were there. The congregation was apparent on all sides of the Darbar, the court. Amongst them were traders who had come from Delhi with some other Sikhs as well. And they placed down their offerings before standing up in front of the Guru. Looking at the Guru in such bliss, the Guru had from their exalted mouth then said these fine words. O beloved Sikhs of the Guru, the traders, please tell us. How did the Guru's funeral rites take place in Delhi? Where did you distribute their ashes? The traders heard this and they were shocked. They were thinking, you know, how did the Guru even know this without us explaining this to him? That we had performed these rites before coming here. So one of the traders then requested, he said, in happiness, As it happened, Guru Gobind Singh, well, you know it all. But even then, we'll explain because you asked. The lowly Aurangzeb, he performed such a vile act and then sent out a call throughout the city that any faithful Sikh man should come there and take the body of Guru Tegh Bahadur and perform his funeral rites. Everybody heard this call, but they were shocked. They were scared. No one was able to say anything there at that time. Not even one Sikh said anything. They all cowered back to their respective houses. In their heart, they had this fear. So nobody said anything. Nobody claimed they were sick at that time. They thought that, well, the emperor would just have us in prison and killed them. They were all hiding in their respective houses. Nobody made it known in the city that they were Sikhs. Listening to this, Guru Gobind Singh roared like thunder from a cloud and said, Now I will create such a punt, such a path, that will greatly spread across the entire world. If out of a hundred thousand people, if they get together, just one Sikh amongst them is going to be known, it's going to be recognized from different from all the other people. My Sikh will not be able to mix in with the others. He won't be able to blend in. Just like how herons can't hide amongst swans, just like vultures can't hide amongst peacocks, like donkeys amongst a strong steed, a horse, or just like a tiger amongst a herd of deer. There are numerous identities, but you will always be able to identify as my Sikh. The congregation heard this. They were in shock. They were confused about this. They had no idea where this command came from. Then the Guru asked the trader, So then, tell us, how was your task completed? He said, I took many bulls with carts and I approached the Guru's body. Vast amounts of dust then arose from heavy winds. Nobody could ascertain anything from the ten directions. It became dark. And at that point, I picked up the body and placed it in a cart. And then it took hold of my bulls. After I left, a search party went around. They were unable to find the body. They tried many different means of, of looking around, different areas. And I was able to appropriately then take the body and perform the funeral rites. Along with carefully gathering the ashes, I placed those ashes in two copper pitchers and buried those ashes at that spot. Now, Master Guru Gobind Singh, you are the wise and you are the capable. You are the doer and the cause of all action. From your hand, you may do as you wish in regard to these ashes. Listening to this, Guru Gobind Singh was greatly pleased with him and said, Your life and death cycle has now been removed. In this world, you will sprout and blossom greatly. You will receive great happiness for, for performing the funeral rites for the Guru's body. 
Let us leave the ashes now at that location. And when my bunt grows in size, they will find that spot and create a dehra, a temple there marking that spot. And they will make a building at that bazaar location as well, where the Guru obtained shahidi, martyrdom. By making this Gurdwara, the Sikhs will drive a nail through the head of the Turks, and the Sikh congregation will all worship there. This time will come when everybody will see this, that Gurdwaras will be built in Delhi. Then all the Sikhs started to say this, that even now the great glory of the Guru is so pure and widespread, and as a result, such an act committed by the Emperor, at that point when he committed that act, a great terror arose in his heart, and only for one night did he sleep in that city. After that, he wasn't able to spend just one night at his house. Outside he would go, to the courtyard, where he would find another house, and he would spend his nights there and sleep. At one place where he slept, he couldn't sleep there again the second night. So he was constantly looking for a new place to sleep. And when the day started in the morning, he would go back from the forest to perform his duties and actions as emperor. When the night would arrive, he would leave, and with fear he would sleep somewhere else. It's known now that he will mount up and head to another region. He is forever readying himself in his heart to do this task. When the Dili Sikh said this, then the uncle of Guru Gobind Singh Mama Kurpal Chan had a doubt, had a question arise in his mind. He asked, Do please tell us the whole story. Such a vile sinner, Aurangzeb, where will he go? To the east, to the south, to the west? Where will he put up his effort to cause war? Wherever this enemy will go, the true Guru will destroy everything from him, regardless. At that point, the Dili Sikhs clasped their hands and they said, Listen to the full tale of this crooked sinner. Shah Jahan knew well the ways of strategy and politics, just like how you always operate strategically. Shah Jahan was captured by his son Aurangzeb and he was imprisoned. And at the time of his death, he said to his son Aurangzeb, he said, Whatever amount the soldiers receive in wages, do not decrease that amount. Do not mess with the Thadam, the tradition of the Hindus. Nurture them and Muslims alike as the same. The ruler to the south, named Taneshah, at any point, do not set out against him. In this way, he instructed him in other matters as well. For what reason now should I write this out in extended discussion? But listening to the words of his father, Zeb, he was enraged, he was angered, and he asked, What did you find wrong about what I'm doing? What's so bad about that? Whatever you're forbidden, I'll do exactly that. I'll make everybody obedient to me. Hearing this, Shah Jahan explained to him, he said, If you do this, you'll be ruined. If you give your servants less money, well, they'll become in debt. They won't have any other means. Their kids will not receive a good education as a result of this. And to avoid poverty, these kids will have to work hard from a young age. And working like this, without money, how will they become educated? Your population then, your servants will remain idiots. This would be a great stain upon you. Therefore, do not reduce their wages. We live in your kingdom now. If you quarrel, if you fight with the Hindu Tarum, then a time will come when the Hindus will become kings and they'll act badly towards us. If Taneshah remains in power, then everybody will call us the king of kings. This is just one benefit. Now listen to the other properly with your ears. That great region of the south, Taneshah with his entire army will stop you from going there. We won't be able to fight accordingly in the battlefield there. For these reasons and others, the strategy which I told you 
I've told you what's proper and improper to act on, so follow it as such. But then, this idiot Aurangzeb, he didn't listen to his fathers at all. He did the exact opposite. Those soldiers who were getting 100 silver coins per month for their salary, they began receiving only 60. He ruined for many people the Tarim of the Hindus, the tradition of the Hindus. This exceptional moron didn't think about this at all. As a result of what happened with the true Guru, from that point onward, what night was he able to sleep properly in the city? One Peer, a Muslim holy man, came by one day, and he set up camp outside the city. And when an Aurangzeb found out that he was there, he went to go meet him, taking with him one plate of coins, and another, he had laid out all these jewels and diamonds and gems. He placed these two plates in front of the Peer, the Muslim holy man. While saluting him, while greeting him, he sat near him, beginning to tell him about his fear. He said, I can't go to sleep in my residence at night. I've not told anybody about this. Is there a solution, a remedy to this, or am I doomed? Is there any way I can reside within the city? There is no one else more wise than you. So tell me as you see fit. The Peer heard this, and he thought deeply about it closed his eyes, and he saw the whole play of the world, how Matidas was creating this obstacle. Then with his own miraculous powers, he saw Matidas' strength. So this is alluding to when Guru Tegh Bahadur obtained Shahidi, many of his close Sikhs also obtained Shahidi, including uh, a Sikh named Matidas. So Matidas then becomes a Shahid Sikh, a martyred Sikh, who then roams the world as we will hear later on in the stories of Guru Gomez Singh, who's then going to explain the state of a Shaheed Sikh, the state of a Shaheed Singh, and what their duty, their purpose, and their role, and their position is in this world. Going back to the story, this Peer then told Onigzib everything, that Matidas was coming back as a spirit, as a Shaheed Sikh, and disturbing him at night. He tells Onigzib, there is no now remedy to this. I'm thinking what's best for you. For this illness, there is just absolutely no solution, no re remedy. You have committed such a vile, what a great injustice you've committed, for which you cannot now stay in the city. At this place, you can't stay here anymore. Everybody will find out that you're sleeping outside of the city at night, you're not able to stay there, um, and you have to come back in the morning. Everybody's going to make fun of you. Everybody's going to slander you now. So therefore, mounts up and mobilize your army, your court, in some other direction, taking with you the strength of your army. And when you spend some time, some years elsewhere, then this problem will slowly fade away. So listening to the Peer Aurangzeb became just hopeless. He, he had lost all his desire to stay in that city. And now he was thinking, well, I'll go down south and kill Tanisha. And in this way, I'll spend my days in the south. And with this decision, he prepared in all manners, calling upon his army with him, taking many cannons, and he mounted up and he set off in that direction. So that's where chapter 7 concludes. In chapter 8, we're going to hear more of this discussion of Guru Gobind Singh with his uncle Mama Kurpal Chand. So that's where we'll pick up next time. But as always, I'd like to thank those who have been supporting the podcast through the Mangalacharan Patreon page.
ਕਿਹਾ ਜਿਹੜਾ ਪਾਏ ਕਿ ਆਉਣਗੇ ਗੁਰਾਂ ਦੇ ਪਿਆਰੇ ਜਿਕੋਣਗੇ ਜਿ